The National Football League and Aristocrat Gaming are excited to announce NFL-themed slot machines only from Aristocrat Gaming. Visit aristocratgaming.com to learn more about the NFL's and Aristocrats' NFL-themed slot machines. Gambling problem? Please contact the U.S. National Problem Gambling Helpline at 1-800-522-4700. New Jersey at 1-800-GAMBLER. New York at 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 46769 for 21 and older. Welcome to another episode of Shortcomings, a podcast brought to you by The Dip, where we shoot the shit about every single episode of Sex and the City. I am your host, Samantha Bush, and I am joined by my other host, Chris Lewis. Hi. Hi. How are you? I am currently sitting down. I have a chair. I'm no longer standing and doing this podcast and can't move my neck. So that's where we're at. So we're hoping her sound volumes are a little bit more stable than usual. But we'll see. (laughs) I'm not as fidgety anymore. Or I won't be. Old age has taken you down. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's like you're turning 29 next month, bitch. And we're going to remind you of it every day. 29 is a good year. I always like to remind people when they turn 29, make a list of things you think you can't do in your 30s and make sure you do them. So if there's anything you don't want to take to your 30s, any kind of dizzy behavior... Get it done. You've got one full year of your 20s left. Really take advantage of it. 29 is a fun year. I had fun with 29 by that rule. Oh, okay. Were you wild? I mean, as wild as a 29-year-old with, like, mental health issues can get. (laughs) Same. By my birthday, I will have been back on my Zoloft for, like, two months. So it will have really kicked in by then, and I'll be, like, pretty good. The levels are getting good. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we have to... Switch to a little bit more of a somber note. Um, It's a sad week for all Sex and the City fans, really, because on Tuesday, September 21st, Willie Garson, who played Stanford Blatch, passed away unexpectedly. And thank you, Sam, for being the one who broke the news to me, because I needed it from a friend. I don't know what I would have done had I just been, like, scrolling through Instagram and seen that. So sad. At first, I... When I saw it, I was Well, like, my first instinct hey, to you was like, this has can't to be, a be hoax. true. One of those weird hoaxes. Right. I was like, this feels strange. Because I was like, didn't I just see him in the revival filming? It was just, you know, very, it's so sad. And, you know, he had a battle with cancer. I don't think they've come out. And, I don't think I mean, the family or to, like the show has say. disclosed exactly how he passed away. Some outlets are... Right. Saying that, and we just want to say that we're thinking of everyone who loved him, particularly those as related to Sex and the City, and really thank him for his performance at Stanford, which is, I mean, he had a very long career, but that's certainly, I think, the thing he'll be remembered most for and how he intersects mostly with my life. Yeah. And you wrote, like, a really amazing article um, tribute to yeah, him so over on the Yeah, so if you'd like more, it was really, a more kind of concise... Really thought from me about it because it's it's just really sad you can go read that at the dip we are not going to focus on it too much frankly because it it does make me too sad so we're going to try to shift gears a bit as best we can and chat about the season two premiere but before we get into that we're going to do quite a quite a tonal shift here (laughs) but but, you know you guys are used to that on this podcast that doesn't make any sense most of the time 
It's, yeah, it, we're just on this journey together. It's a stream of consciousness podcast at the end of the day. It really is. Um, <laughs> there is an outline that Chris makes every single week. And uh, and even that you'd look at and be like, this is the ramblings of a madman. <laughs> but you got a little okay. message. Somebody came across so, your desk. I did. I got a message this week and it really made me laugh. I got a message from a woman named Amanda. She said, I've recently started listening to the podcast and I love it. However, I'm wondering if you can clarify what a dizzy carry is. I too identify as Carrie and I'm trying to understand the differentiator of being dizzy. Thank you with a heart. Um, <laughs> I died laughing and was I immediately sent it to Chris. I was like, we have to address this. So what I want to make a clarification is, is that I feel like there's being dizzy just like in real life. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, being a dizzy bitch. And then there's dizzy Carrie, uh-huh. which is a different kind of dizzy. Dizzy. And- there's a specificity to it. <laughs> right. And for me, a dizzy carry moment is when there is a clear, correct option, and then for some reason you make the other one. Like, the, the, like the right choice is right there <laughs> and is easy to get to. No no barrier. There's, it's literally a straight line to the right And choice. yet you decide, yeah. I'm pulling into crazy town. So Chris made a great little list here of moments where Carrie has been dizzy. This will hopefully illustrate to everyone what dizzy carry means through my top five dizzy carry moments. Yeah. Now Sam, do you remember when she sent Aiden to pick naked Miranda up off the floor and then brought the bullshit bagels? Of course I remember. I've never <sighs> been so angry at a fictional character. Okay, so what happened is Miranda calls her and is like, I am on the floor. I cannot move. You need to help me. Much like my neck today. And by the way, not on the floor, like, emotionally. Like, like I would use like that phrase, like, I'm on the like floor. Physically. She is physically on the floor, nude, grappling a to mat. a bath mat on her last leg. Probably at fat cat running amok. <laughs> Fatty. And that's a cat's name. But... So Carrie has some sort of meeting. She then looks at Aiden and she's like, will you please? I think she's on deadline. She says, I have to write my article. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure she's on deadline. Which, by the way, let's be honest, Carrie has never turned that article in on time. Not once. So she sends Aiden over and he finds Miranda fully clutching the bath. He picks her up and gets her to bed. Then Carrie, a few days later, the next day, bops over like nothing's wrong just to check in and is complaining about her life and had the audacity to bring the bullshit bagels and no cream cheese. Truly? That's a friendship ender. He never came over last night. He said he would, but he didn't. And I called him this morning. He said that he thought that come over meant today, not last night. You know what? This is bullshit. Yeah, that's what I think. No, you. You are bullshit. You and your bullshit cheer me up bagels. They're just a decoy so you could talk about Aiden. Look, you didn't even bring cream cheese. Miranda was disgusted. Miranda questioned their friendship. You don't play with Miranda's uh-uh. food. No, and she was like, you don't even bring cream cheese. Are you serious? She's like, you're going to come over here after you send your fucking boyfriend to pick up my naked body. Fucking Paul Bunyan boyfriend. <laughs> was this the first round of Aiden? When he's... No, this is short hair Aiden. Yeah, this is like... 
she's This is trying... like when they thought they'd gussied him up and he looked good. <sighs> he did look really good. We'll get to that. I mean, he looked we'll better. But yeah, no, this this was the relationship where like they got back together and he's kind of punishing her still. Yeah. yeah. So again, right, the obvious choice is to go to your friend personally to help them, not send your awful boyfriend. Right, and if you, Dizzy if you moment. do decide to send your boyfriend, bring the cream cheese. Bring the cream. Yes. And the next moment, when she terrorized Charlotte into paying for her apartment. <laughs> I Ter- Carrie is an emotional terrorist. When I got this outline, you sent it to me, and it said, Carrie terrorized Charlotte. I laughed so hard because it's so true she goes to her apartment stalks her around it and is like what's going on give me a ring everyone else offered to pay for my apartment why wouldn't you help and charlotte's like bitch i didn't buy those shoes on your dime you right. did carrie literally chases and in that episode her also she can't do basic math she's like i spent four thousand dollars on shoes and miranda looks at her like bitch what? Do you not know what 400 times 1,000 is? I have to say it. Or is it, four, no, 4,000 times 100. And she's like, yeah, $4,000. It's like, what the fuck? Are you yeah, dumb? Dizzy Carrie. Dizzy Carrie. And then the next moment that you wrote, and I agree, is when she quotes, when she says, you don't move to Napa, you take a Napa. Father God in heaven. <laughs> well, if you're tired, you take a Napa. You don't move to Napa. When the man who has been running you ragged for like a decade is moving across the country, don't use a pun. It's not the right time. It's also... Just be emotionally honest and say you you miss him, you want to sleep with him one more time, and don't say shit like, move to Napa, you take a Napa. And they, the writers really thought they did something with that. They really did. You could tell they were like, oh, this is going to be a good, put this one in the sizzle reel. This is going to be hot. <laughs> it's like, no, we're all embarrassed. We are. And she mocked Aiden for being punny at one point. Remember in the nude? And I'm like, but you're punny. She's the queen, queen of, puns. of puns. And then, whoa, when she wore the Galliano newspaper dress to meet Natasha. No, I put this one on the list. I personally don't really care about this, but I know it bothers it you. This is a you It infuriates me. To have an affair with this woman's husband, then said woman chases you down the stairs, falls on her face, knocks her tooth out, is left physically, emotionally, mentally in distress over... Is going through a divorce. A divorce. They haven't been married for very long. That's embarrassing. To show up to ambush her because I don't they're not meeting Carrie figures out where Natasha is and ambushes her and then drinks out of her water she was like can I have a sip of this and then shows up alright I'm getting more and more infuriated as we talk about it in that fucking dress and my issue with the dress is it's not like a buttoned up conservative look that I would probably want to wear when I'm meeting the woman. She needed to go into that in a nun's costume. Oh, a turtleneck, a bulky sweater, something. She shows up with her fucking nipples, headlights out, just, and Carrie's boobs, like, they kind of go like this a lot when she walks. And it's backless. It's like sexy hot. And I'm like, Carrie. I mean, she looks beautiful at the end of the episode when they're shooting her in kind of slow motion walking through the street. Great moment. Not an appropriate thing to call for retribution from the woman you scorned. Who knocked her tooth out. That's what I'm saying. It's not right at all. And I don't like it. So the final Dizzy Carrie moment is truly disgusting to me. In a season two episode, the eponymous episode of this podcast, Shortcomings, 
when Carrie Bradshaw knocked on that damn window to get her friend's attention. What the fuck is she doing? Go into the restaurant. You do not need to bother a litany of people trying to enjoy their meal. Again, ambushing people, terrorizing them, all dizzy Carrie behavior. She is bothering the other patrons. And it's like, if you know you're going in there to see them, it's not like she was walking through the street, saw them, and needed to continue somewhere. Take your ass inside, sit down, and have a conversation. You do not knock on a damn window of a restaurant. It's unacceptable. It's heathen behavior. It is unacceptable behavior because I think she does it in the revival. She knocks on a window in the revival. Honestly, actually, I was going to say I'm turning it off, but I'll clap. I'll be like, that's a callback. That's a callback. And we always love a callback in Sex and the City, but... We should add, again, she looks amazing. She's in a little black dress. She's in one of the most iconic... Great hair. I believe she's got aviators on. You, You love a Carrie in a simple outfit. She should go simple more often. Yeah, I agree. So those are the top five Dizzy Carrie moments. I don't know if that illustrated anything. To be honest, I did write down that there's a Dizzy Carrie moment in this episode. Ooh, I can't wait to hear about it. So let's get into the episode with a little synopsis. Carrie attempts to rebound after her big breakup. Miranda is fed up with her friends and snaps. (laughs) Samantha continues to deal with James and his shortcomings. And Charlotte's dealing with her boyfriend's balls. What'd you think? That is quite the synopsis, and it's beyond accurate. (laughs) I do love that we're getting a shortcomings, you know, that's being said. Yes. Because it's shout out to this pod. I I have so many thoughts about this episode. I enjoyed it, actually. Remember when I texted you? You texted me before we started this podcast that you hated this episode. (laughs) And then that two weeks ago, you were like, oh my God, that's one of my favorites. I was like, well, what is the truth? What is the truth? And... You know what it is? You know why I really struggle with this? I like this episode, but there's moments where I hate it. It's because of that fur coat, and I think it looks fucking dirty and dingy, and I don't like it. I really struggled with this one, too, but it's an episode that really focuses on the emotional, like, ramifications of not only Carrie's breakup with Big, but really how does one survive a breakup? When are you really over someone? And ultimately, in one of the storylines, what's an appropriate criteria for even breaking up with someone? So let's hear the monologue. As my ballpark cheap beer buzz wore off, I began to worry about the ramifications of my day. Was Charlotte right? Were we supposed to get over an ex in a slow, painful way? Or should we just ignore all the bad feelings and throw ourselves back in the game? In a world where leaving each other seems to be getting more and more frequent, what are the breakup rules? What are your thoughts? Well, before we really like, get into what it, what do you think? About breaking up? Yeah. Yeah, that's like, what I was do just you about think, to say. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> do you think it, it should be a slow, painful way? Do you think you should just put up and shut up and just move on? I think it really depends on the breakup. Okay. Um, and how serious the relationship was, how invested you were. And by the way, I don't mean that in terms of length of time. I've had something very short really bother me. And something Mm -hmm. end very long, and I've been very at peace with how it ended. So I think it just really depends on, it's situational. Yeah. But what do you think? No, I totally agree with you. I do struggle, though, with people that go through breakups that just, like, want to talk about it all the time. I think it really depends. Carrie is very obsessive. I get when someone goes through a breakup that is really difficult like I've had like I now know someone who's been divorced 
And I totally get, like, why that is a big deal and why they need to talk about that a ton. Because yeah. there was a huge commitment, and in particularly, right, like, the traditional idea of marriage, like, the old school, the reason that we have weddings is because you are inviting the public into your marriage and the community, and you are beholden to the community, and the community is beholden to you. So when you mm -hmm. make the decision to get a divorce, it's almost like you are betraying that the people who you invited to your wedding and invited into the community of your marriage. That's difficult. I don't need to hear for multiple weeks about the guy who you were dating for like a month and a half that's i guess but everyone processes differently yeah i mean i guess i don't take issue if you want to talk about it it's like just the i'd be annoyed by like the it. moping yeah the moping around i would have a hard time with that because like i'm not a big verbalizer of, of my process if yeah. i need to process something it's very internal you're very verbal but you're not someone who mopes I think you can no. talk about something a ton, but it's not in such a like, woe is me way. Never, never. I can be really sad over something, but I've moved past it, but I'll talk about it in not like a mopey way that I don't, I'm not a moper. I'm not a wallower. But I did want to talk about Charlotte York's rules for polite and productive breakup because okay. as always Queen Char Char, she's got it. If it may, it may not be right. But at least she says, it's a, this is what we're doing. So the first rule, it's going to take you half the time you went out with someone to get over them. You're allowed to get drunk and go shopping and really indulge in whatever you need to. And wallowing mm -hmm. is totally okay. You can't push yourself into feeling good. The only way to get over somebody is to feel really bad, to cry to your girlfriends, and then to replay what you hated about him over and over in your head all day. Charlotte's basically saying... Whatever you feel, you're allowed to feel. Is valid. And you're allowed to do whatever you want, say whatever you want, act however you want, and it's fine. I actually, as someone who's so rule-oriented, have always really clung to and remembered her rule about it takes half the total time you went out with someone to get over with them. And I think that's, if only it were true. Because also, what does getting over someone really mean? Like, yes, you can get into a relationship with someone, but you may not necessarily be over that last person and still processing it. But I'm angry because Charlotte says you dated Big for a year, so it's going to take you six months. She did not date Big for a year. That is them retconning to add emotional resonance to this breakup. It was four months at best. <laughs> There's no way the 12 episodes we recap took place over a year. No, no. And I feel like last episode I said to you, I was like, Chris, we got a time frame. Like I was so excited. And it was a couple of months. <laughs> it, yeah, she said a few months. They're banking on, they're never going to be DVDs. Okay. HBO will only replay this when we tell them to. And mm -hmm. certainly there won't be two idiots talking about it in 25 years. Because I'm like, Fig and Carrie didn't spend Christmas together. No. They didn't spend President's Day together. They didn't spend Labor Day together. Like, that just didn't happen. We didn't see any seasons change. We didn't Not... Although, you know, it's so interesting. Sex and the City isn't a holiday show. Like, they never really celebrate any holidays on the show proper, other than... Kind of, I guess you could consider Fleet Week a holiday to them, right? Like this particularly New York experience. And then it's yeah. not until the movie that I can think of them really looking at a holiday. I guess at one point they see fireworks, but I'm not even sure that's 4th of July. I think it's just right. a party in the Hamptons. It's always summer. Yeah. 
and sex in the city land, except for the movie, because in the movie we see like it's a full Halloween, year. It's a full. We're year, really right? meant to, That's a year. and they use holidays to demarcate the fact that it's a full year. The show they never celebrate anything. So when I heard her say a year, it's the only time I've been like angry at Charlotte, and then I was like, well, she's just a mouthpiece. I don't have to be mad at this fictional character. Correct. I'm glad you checked yourself. Also, I was just thinking about this. Like, what if you were dating someone for three years? It's going to take me a year and a half to get over that person. I'm coming up on that window. Kill me. So let's get into what Charlotte's up to this episode, because it's odd. So she's dating a new guy, Paul Erickson. What'd you think of Paulie? Annoying. I found him so disgusting when he was talking about Sweet Joe, the Yankee ear off about jazz i was like please shut this man up i did want to before we get into him i did think it was funny that when carrie introduces him she says he's handsome smart and eclectic everything charlotte wanted is eclectic something charlotte wants okay i wrote that down in my notes too eclectic first of all that man is not eclectic no just because he likes jazz doesn't make him eclectic dizzy carrie i was just like eclectic is that what charlotte wants no the jazz man we'll see in a few episodes he's quite eclectic he is a piece of work, that guy. A fucking piece of work. But I, yeah, I didn't like this guy. I did enjoy when Samantha said he's got low hangers. Well, yes. So his <laughs> issue is that he likes to tug on his balls. I don't know really quite how to say this, but he's always um touching his um balls. I know, Carrie told me. I had to. It freaked me out. I didn't know what the hell was going on there. I still don't. What is going on there? I don't know, but it's constant. He just can't seem to leave them alone. He and every other guy on the planet. They're always trying to pull our attention down there. Look what I got. I don't get it. He's from a good family. He went to Brown. Why is he doing that? Does he have a pair of low hangers? Is it a patented phrase? You know, sometimes they just hang so low they get in the way. I heard Nick Nolte had a ball lift. And they've never slept together. No. Which I found interesting. So she decides to fix this problem by buying him new underwear. And in that scene, she says, I got you something. And then he says, oh, something better than what you already gave me. What do you think he's referring to? Because they've never had sex. I was kind of like, the kiss she just gave him? Yeah. I was like, well, he's a fucking weirdo, Paul. Well, he probably thought, oh, she's heading into her bedroom. We're about to fuck. And then she opens up this weird box with one pair of underwear in it. And I just kept thinking, did the underwear come in that box? Did Charlotte put them in that box? She got it gift wrapped. <laughs> he freaks the fuck out. Freaks out. And I was kind of with him. Like, you shouldn't really be totally. buying people presents that early. But at the if same time, he needed me... to calm down. Because it's also a very intimate present. No, that's what I mean. Like It would be nor- more normal had she bought him, like, a watch. Yeah, the undies were weird. If a man ever bought me underwear and I've known him for three weeks, never slept with him, I would be like, sir. I don't think anyone should be buying leave. anyone their um, undergarments. Well, I think for someone, for like women with lingerie, I think it's like a gift sometimes. Yeah, but that's not really an appropriate gift because it's a gift that I don't think gifts should be something the other person's going to enjoy. I mean, I I totally hear you. Don't give me something that ultimately I have to do for you. Ugh, a lot of work comes with that gift. Yeah, so like, that's not a gift. If anything, I want like a baggy t-shirt. Yeah. We're, no undies, yeah. like I'm Donald ducking it, and you get Donald. and you get the fuck out. Yeah, like his point was valid. He was like, "We haven't even slept together. Like, why are you getting me fucking underwear?" I wish the show had gone for just had Charlotte say like, "Your balls, dude." <laughs> like, yeah, like why do you grab your balls all the time? I've never seen a man do that. What IRL? I've never. I mean, maybe like um, 
like a little shift. But the way he was really getting in there. Oh, he, it looked like there was an itch that he was scratching. It looked like maybe we need to get a test. And so. Because it, it, like you said, I've seen men like rearrange really quick. And that's fine. Like, you know, sometimes your underwear gets bunched. This is why I love a short short. You really can't wear underwear with them. So you're not pulling at anything. But you shouldn't be pulling at anything ever in public. If you need to pull, politely excuse yourself to the bathroom, readjust, and then come back. Like a gentleman. He looked like he was like itching it. And like they he were was like getting at a up party. in the grundle. He's disgusting. Is it a grundle? Excuse me? What I'm thinking of? Isn't What's a, a grundle? grundle like, isn't the, a you grundle mean like, like the demon from Beowulf? No, isn't a grundle like the part of the balls? That is white people stuff. I've never heard that. Oh, okay. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I heard that somewhere. Well, listeners at home, Google it and then don't tell me about it. <laughs> Please Google it, screenshot it, and send it to... Chris Lewis, what's your Instagram handle? You're going to have to listen to the end of this podcast if you'd like to send that to me. So keep (laughs) listening. I mean, look, we had, it was just, they were obviously clinging to this idea of like the ball game. This is such a reach. It was shocking. It It was like the last thing maybe on the storyboard of like, fuck, what Charlotte got? Okay, balls, balls, balls. She's dating a new guy. Oh, she's dating a new guy who touches his balls. Yeah. And I'm sure it was That's... probably like, oh, he's dating a new guy who wants her to lick his balls. No, we've already done that. Maybe he just grabs right. them. Right. right. It felt very reminiscent of the storyline last season where the guy's dog was like watching. It and felt like very bad, like very random. Yeah. Well, we know the those scenes. My least favorite cut storyline. Yeah. So that's all really going on with Queen Sharshar. Let's get into Samantha, who we open up the season and... We find that she's still dating James and is quite unhappy about their sex life. Me, James, and his tiny penis were one big happy family. After two months, despite all his sweetness and charm, Samantha still hadn't quite accepted James's shortcomings. Were you happy to see James back? I was. I was too, actually. He, made, he was making me laugh when she got, they he? got in the car. You really made me laugh. I also like seeing Samantha in this like weird space of like, I love this man, but his dick is the size of a baby carrot. And she's not cheating situation. on him, which is great because we know Samantha has no problem with cheating. No. I wish the show had undercut that a bit more that she does love him. Mm-hmm. She does. And she's like upset with herself that she's like in love and in this problem. She's like, is this what happens when you're in love? Do you only fall in love with people with small penises? And I wrote down in my notes, everyone annoyed me this episode except Samantha. What did Charlotte do that annoyed you? Buying the underwear? Yeah, like just how everyone's kind of... I thought Charlotte was a real one this episode. So supportive. Um, Well, her support annoyed me. And I also found her outfit to the baseball game. Shocking. We're going to get into it. We're going to get... We have to wait. The fashion on this episode. Woo! Flop era. Flop era stuff. But rather than cheat on James, she decides to take a peek around the locker, the Yankees locker room. What did you think of the slowest closing door in the history of cinema? Oh, I loved it. I was like, this is comedy gold. I could watch her do this forever. Yeah. And like how it kept going like from Samantha to like a butt cheat. And then Samantha <laughs> It was making arm, me laugh. And then, so, I, me too. I was giggling. No, I did want to just bring up that the man who she talks with before the door closes is named Larry Dobby Jr. Because I was quite attracted to him. So I was like, let me get on his page. Shocked to find he has never acted again. 
He has never acted before that or again. And his father was the first black player in the American League. Now, I don't really know what the American League is, but I assume it's the old equivalent of the MLB. And I'm not 100% I... sure if the MLB is something. Isn't baseball split up into two leagues? Does the MLB no, stand for Major all... League Baseball? <laughs> Yes. Okay, I'm like major. I was like major no, laser baseball, machine gun no. Kelly. So, so I think I mean listen. I don't know. I'm not a Miranda in this aspect where I don't know that much about sports or baseball. But I think baseball is split into like the American League and the National League. Okay. Well, his father was the first black player for the American League. Why is he in this? It's just such a strange coincidence that he never acted again or before that. Mm -hmm. And his dad is related to baseball. And he was like, to honor my dad, I will be in Sex in the City and show my ass. And I will pretend to be a baseball player. And I thought he did a great job and I wish he'd come back. Yeah, phenomenal. Get him in the revival. <sighs> Rather see him than Bitsy. That's for damn sure. <laughs> but um, I did love... The, co the coaching scene. What'd you think of her coaching James in the bedroom? A good coach disciplines and criticizes. No, what are you doing back there? Let's go! And like every good coach, she passed on the benefits of her years of experience. Okay, baby, I'm close. I want you to get up here and slide inside of me. Hurry, slide, slide, slide! Oh, yeah! I... Uh loved this this was so quintessential sex in the city i felt like we're alive we're finally we i was like we've finally gotten somewhere when i saw that scene like it felt good i was like look at her go it's funny and it's she was sexy like, it's well it's a sex story it's not actually sexy i mean she's sexy yes she's oh absolutely hot. but it's funnier than it is right like when we interviewed jennifer armstrong and she quoted michael patrick king saying that uh, Kim controls the Lucille Ball of sex scenes. This is it. This is it. This is it. The way that she was coaching this man. Fearless. She's the fucking best, guys. She is the best. So ultimately with Samantha, it's such a fun, sexy story. It's a B story, so it's not up top with um, the Miranda and Carrie story. But it's, it's funny enough to add some real layers to the episode and is obviously in line with the baseball plot. At first I was like, well, how are we going to get Samantha into the, the kind of baseball ball plot? And then I was like, oh, she's the coach. Got it. I loved it. I love that loop around. Yeah. With Charlotte, they were like, oh, we got to talk the balls. about balls somehow. With Samantha, they were like, we got a coach. She's the coach. She's the best. Now I'm remiss to do this, but we have to talk about Miranda Jane Hobbs. And I don't know if her middle name's Jane. It is on this podcast. But Miranda, Carrie, Samantha, Charlotte, Hobbs is out of control. She is on Chris. one from moment one in this episode. She comes into season two, guns fucking blazing, <laughs> hair spiked, sunglasses, sunglasses on. Those white sunglasses were so <laughs> disgusting. So She's basically sick. berating Carrie to get over Big. She calls her Anne Frank. I'm like, this is insensitive, rude. <laughs> I'm like, what's happening? She was like, we're going. Get an outfit on. She's lying about her own feelings with, about her ex, Eric. She doesn't tell Carrie where they're going. Carrie gets in like a dress and heels. Well, to be fair, Sharshar could have told her that too. I think they were like, she won't go if we tell her. 
That's true. Yeah. That's oh yeah. That's a good point. I mean, Miranda is a terrorist. We get to see the sporty side of her, and I was so fucking angry at her at that game because it she's like monopolizing the conversation but it's a conversation that three of them don't care no if no. someone is she's not she needs to read the room and not talk about things that's like how when i go on and on about how emily blunt should have been nominated for an oscar for the devil wears prada during a staff meeting at work nobody cares and i need to shut the fuck up also, I don't think she's talking as if she wants to have a conversation about baseball. She's talking just to talk. She's shouting. She's wielding that hot dog around. Those fucking white she's sunglasses. She's talking about those white sunglasses, the red shirt with the hair. It's and here's such my problem. With, look. So we are to believe, right, that Miranda is an actual redhead. Right. Because her son comes out as a ginger and that's meant to be like, oh, here he is. He's, he's a redhead just like his mom. The color yeah. they have dyed her hair is not a color that would ever spring forth from someone's head. Not ever naturally. No. Nope. So we are to believe that, yes, she is a natural redhead, but then she is choosing to turn it into this color, style it like that. Spike. I know people say I we mean, should all be Miranda's, but she was really pissing me off this episode. And She was such a fucking hater, bitch. And she was so judgmental and angry at Carrie for asking out the new Yankee. Oh, she was so jealous. She was jealous, but judgmental and angry. I was just like, Miranda is like, guys, I know we basically hated on Miranda all throughout season one. (laughs) At least I think I have. I think you gave her a little reprieve occasionally. I tried. And I think I'm going to grow to love her. But there's just something. I am so not in a place of Miranda so far this season. Or I'm sorry, this show. I completely agree. And just the clothes they throw on the No, I will say I am in a place of like enjoying her presence in this group. And I think it is okay for her to be unlikable and bitchy and judgmental. We need characters like that. But I feel like in past watches, I've been like, go Miranda girl, you're doing it great. (laughs) Now I'm like, this woman is unhinged. Yeah, she's not nice. And she's not well. And we know she's in therapy. So like, get thee to that doctor. Yeah, she needs to find balance. And again, it's not only that they make her very kind of unlikable, which like you said, is totally fine. They also have her just looking insane. Like I said, the outfits that they throw on this woman, I truly can't even get over it. It's very like athleisure, uh, but not she. So for example, I want to talk about the brunch. When they go to brunch, they all look normal. When she storms out, which we'll get into why she storms out in a moment, she puts on like a cap of sorts that truly looks like the little hat they put on babies when they're delivered at the hospital. It was like a sloppy (laughs) beanie that was like all limp fabric. I was just like, what? Pat Field must not have liked her. Or I or I should say that I think that at that point, actually from reading again, Jennifer Keshen Armstrong's book, go listen to our uh, interview with her and then get the book. Apparently at the beginning, Cynthia Nixon was very adamant that Miranda dressed like a real person. Mm-hmm. And frankly, if I don't know what real people dress like that, uh, Pat Fields ever met. <laughs> but I'm very glad when they eventually just she, Pat Field put her foot down and said, we can't do this anymore. We have to stop. You look, you look insane next to the other women. Again, it's just like, is that what you think normal people look like? I, I don't. I've never... When she threw that little cap on her head, it was the <laughs> most upsetting image I've seen on the show so far. For and me, this is a show where a dog licked a man's balls. No, 
literally, Chris, the most upsetting outfit for me. No, we're going to get to that. Which... I know what you're talking about. Okay. So she gets really (laughs) upset at the women when they're discussing the article um, in page six that Big and... I'm sorry, that Carrie has been seen in with the new Yankee. And Mm -hmm. also when they begin talking about Charlotte's new boyfriend and his balls... And she has a huge rant. Yeah. She goes off. Okay. That's it. I'm out of here. All we talk about anymore is big or balls or small dicks. How does it happen that four such smart women have nothing to talk about but boyfriends? It's like seventh grade with bank accounts. What about us? What we think, we feel, we know, Christ. Does it always have to be about them? Just, you know, give me a call when you're ready to talk about something besides men for a change. She fully snaps, and I wondered if it was like a meta commentary on the critics of the show who might say, this is just a show where four women are sitting around talking about men and don't have interior lives, which, by the way, I think would be something male critics would say about the show, but also a certain level of a feminist might approach the show that way, of saying... Well, finally, we have a show with four women, but all they're doing is talking about men. I don't know that the meta-commentary circle is really closed well enough. Because also then, right, Carrie says in voiceover, in the case of Miranda versus silly women, it's like, well, no, we shouldn't be then situating women who are talking about men and their own emotional lives and dating lives should be displayed as silly. Right. Here's my thing. I get to some degree what Miranda is kind of saying. Like, sometimes it feels that way. But, okay, her alternative is let's talk about my Palm Pilot. I was really excited. I don't talk about your fucking Palm First of all, like, what the fuck is a Palm Pilot? An okay, old-ass no, iPad? Really? No, what is it? I think it's an old iPad. She was very excited about this. It had, like, a little stylus. Yeah, that's what they it did. It looked like a Game Boy. And they but would, like, would it, Yeah, stuff. so it was just, like, a thing you took notes on, right? Like, it was an electronic notepad? think maybe like an electronic calendar yeah because it didn't have the internet on it did it i don't think they had wi-fi in 1998 yeah it was all dial up god i miss dial up (laughs) i wish i could have to wait to like google chris hemsworth thighs at 6 a.m because maybe then i wouldn't do it (laughs) but yeah so she storms away she's so upset and the women kind of are like not that phased (laughs) they're like this has been a dime a fucking dozen with this one yeah they're like all right anyways so what do i do about James and his tiny penis. They're like, whatever, it's fine. And I kind of like that. They're like, it's just Miranda being Miranda. That's true. There is a cut to Harry when Miranda starts. And there she, she just mm-hmm. kind of looks down like, oh, well, keep it quiet, Miranda. Yeah. Miranda's ruling the roost right now. We all need to shut up. But I also yeah. did love that she says, can't we talk about anything else? And then it goes silent. And mm-hmm. once in college with uh, my two, one, two of my good friends from college, we decided, we were like, you know what? We need to stop gossiping about other people. We just need to stop. And then we just sat in silence. We were like, we don't really have anything else to say if we're not talking shit about people. Also, I really hate that whole like toxic positivity thing where they're like, have you ever seen that quote? It's like, you want to be friends with people that talk about ideas, not other people. I don't. And it's like, shut the fuck up. I don't. Like, ideas are for talk work. About gossip is for fun. We're allowed to gossip. Yeah. I love to gossip. But also, like, I talk about ideas at work. That's what I'm paid for. Also, like, I don't really want to sit around my friends and hear their fucking, like, Shark Tank ideas. I just yeah. don't. Go pitch that to God someone bless. with some money. I'm trying to have brunch and talk about my dating life. 
Yeah, I'm trying to talk about, you know. I'm trying to talk about this guy's small dick. <laughs> and probably eating ass. Yeah. I mean, I'm not talking about that, but, but I know people that Miranda do. runs into Eric on the street, who was established <gasps> earlier as her ex-boyfriend, who and maybe the first love of her life. And she's heartbroken to see him happy with the woman who he left Miranda for. And while she's been awful this episode, and frankly, I don't love the fact that it takes her experiencing something to be empathetic to someone else. It's very Republican. Mm-hmm. She also, like, runs into two women on the street talking and fully, like, rolls her eyes in their face. Like, oh, these She's guys. like, oh. <laughs> she literally like, She stopped, God. stood next to them and <laughs> was like, stopped. these silly bitches. I was like, what's wrong with this woman? <laughs> However, Cynthia Nixon is the actress and she's really beautiful and kind of, and powerful in that scene yeah <laughs> but in that scene chris she is wearing we get a look look she is wearing something that frankly no one would like even to make her look bad which is obviously the point right she should look awful because that's then the mirror of how carrie's been trying to only leave her house looking good this is this is an outfit no one would own <laughs> the things they throw together she looks like a gigantic version of like a mary kate nashley how they used to like make them wear those little overalls with the blue and the green. It was overalls, but and... then I swear she had like a full like turtleneck on underneath the overalls, she a did. puffer jacket, another hat, white t- tennis. Not only a puffer jacket, I'm talking. This thing looked like a sleeping bag. It was large. She looked like the Michelin Man. She looked like the blueberry and Willy Wonka. Like she looks insane. And again, the red hair. It's a color. Not of not of this earth. Not since like the Judds have I seen that color pop forth from somebody's head. Ooh, it. Not since Tammy Faye Baker. <laughs> it's wild. And then of course, like you said, I mean, I've never run into an ex. Oh, look! I literally told you I actually bumped into one, oh, like yeah. physically, like you know. Oh, I bumped into him. Like no, I was not paying no. attention, and we bumped into each other. And we've been hanging out since, on occasion. Oh, I didn't know that, Chris. (laughs) Way to drop bombs. So that closes out Miranda, with the exception of something that we'll kind of use to close out the episode. So let's chat about Carrie. CB. Okay. Chris, she looks like fucking shit. At the beginning. Oh my god, this woman is wandering these streets... Looking like The Walking Dead. She looks terrible. What I wanted, what it reminded me of, though, is, right, I remember when the first movie came out, there was this huge, like, conversation, and I distinctly remember um, all four of the women being on The View and them asking Sarah Jessica Parker about the no-makeup scene when she stares into the mirror. Oh, yeah. And when I looked at this, I was like, well, this woman's been brave for a while because she's looking (laughs) pretty, like, pretty, like, bare-boned. It's tough. The color has drained from her face. Her hair is very long and stringy. She's got on that raggedy coat. We're to believe it's been one month since she and Big broke up uh, outside of her mm-hmm. apartment. And she's wandering through the city in a fog like The Walking Dead, as you said. And seeing Big in places he's not. Now, I have never had that experience. <laughs> well, I've run into many exes. I've never imagined them places. I did think it was a very nice visual moment. And a good way to um, keep Chris Noth in the front of the show. However, I did think it was mm-hmm. a little funny of him having to shoot those weird moments. 
<laughs> no, I thought about that too. Chris, we just need you to stand right there. Uh, and then you're going to vanish. And then like, but just, just right this like powerful, imposing, big man, Chris knows, who's like used to being on Law and Order. And now they're just like, okay, you call Chris in for 20 minutes. Yep. Um, so and funny. because right, he has this disdain for the show in some ways, which I think he probably had while he was doing it, because he's spoken pretty honestly about not feeling the character was really, it wasn't a fulfilling character to play because he's really just this person carries heaping these emotions onto. So I thought, well, at least he had lines in the first season. Now he's just like, like a ghost. He's a mirage. So they go to the baseball game and she meets Joe, the new Yankee. What did you think of Joe? Joby love joe i thought love. he was like a proto love. steve his voice he had that accent oh. that steve no not as pronounced he wasn't like i'll take you to the dolce cabana party <laughs> i liked him i thought he was really sexy i liked that they made him like super new york and then he's the new yankee i just liked it i thought it was fun the dizziest moment for me chris there's a moment where carrie is writing at her desk and she picks up the baseball and she sniffs it. She sniffs the baseball and then just puts it down. I don't know. I thought like, maybe she never held weird? it. I genuinely was like, I don't know that she knows what a baseball is. Chris. <laughs> there was a moment where I genuinely thought she picked it up and I thought she has never seen one of those before. No, she's at her home sniffing this baseball. Is what I'm saying. Oh. She's writing. She's writing at her desk. She looks over at the baseball, picks it up and sniffs it. What's wrong with that? And then that? puts it down. That's weird, Chris. I think it's meant to imply she's thinking of him. Like, it's a visual representation that she is thinking about Joe, the, um. the new Yankee. Like, you have to do certain things as an actor on screen. But when she picked it up at the game, I was like, I don't think she knows what that is. No, she probably thought it was a football. But so she or invites Joe to the Dolce & Gabbana party. We should say Dolce & Gabbana's trash. Right. And they have a kiss on the street. Do you think that in 99, watching this, you would have thought, oh, they're introducing like a new love interest for her? Because they hadn't really had Carrie to that point have a boyfriend of the week. Other than, I guess, the 20-something. The no, to me, he didn't feel like someone Carrie would ever be invested in like that. He didn't have that like twinkle or the sparkle. I thought they had more chemistry than she had with Aiden later on, but we'll get to that. But then on their second date, he they're at a bar, they're drinking beers, and he's teaching her dugout games. They have a sexy little rapport. Mm -hmm. I liked, again, seeing her very casual but super cute. But then she actually sees Big, and he's not a mirage. Breakup rule number four. Never stop thinking about him, even for a moment, because that's the moment he'll appear. As he made his way through the crowd, I felt calm. I had accomplished the perfect first meeting. I looked good, I felt good, and I was with the new Yankee. Surprise, surprise. Well, look at you. <laughs> I've been, um, I mean, I, I keep I'll meeting. Keep... Good, 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 good. Oh, God, sorry. This is, um, this is Joe Stark. I know who he is. I'm a big fan. Good luck this season. Thanks. Saw your picture in the paper. Never looked better. And, of course, he's in a full suit. He's... <laughs> At, a, at what looks to be just a dive bar that has like peanuts on the floor. Yeah, it, he's always coming from like the stock market or something. Like he's always coming from. Well, he also has one really of those. Important. I do love that he has one of those amorphous 1990s jobs like um, Chandler or even for a while I feel like Richard on Friends. He's just a businessman. Yeah, he's just deals with business. But she things. sees big and he touches her. 
What did you think of oh their God. interaction? The fact he walked over to her, leaned in and touched her. I was like, you are a fucking menace. He misses her. I actually saw it for... <sighs> you are out here defending this man every episode. <laughs> I saw it more I from cannot... his perspective. <laughs> Chris! No. This is unacceptable. Every single week, <laughs> you defend No, think about it. Think about it. Guys, listeners. Listeners at home. Dear listeners, think about it. This man is out after a long day of business at a dive bar. It's probably the place he's never seen. He turns around and sees the woman who a month ago left him on the street with the new Yankee, who he's already had to deal with seeing um, her in a newspaper with him. And we know Big, from later on episodes, doesn't do well with breakups. And I think he's really saying to her, you've never looked better. And then he turns around and actually glances at her again. I think he is having his own moment. He is not an emotional terrorist. Now, is his pimp game strong, and is he running her ragged? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, thank but you. Carrie gives as good as she gets. He didn't have to touch her like that. He just grazed her shoulder. It's not our fault no, that the camera, didn't. like, slow mode. her heart started thumping. I did think that the show needed to trust Sarah Jessica Parker as an actress more, because that was really overdone. You can't do slow-mo, heart thumping. <laughs> I was like, slow down. We need to pick one. She was, And she's such a good actress. She was doing all that work for us. We didn't need that extra stuff. I just thought, you know, he's going through it too. You're out here, really. I'm out here You're fully so, caping for this man. You really are. Okay, I get what you're saying, yes, but he knows what he's doing. I don't think he does. By touching her like that, Chris. He turns back around so that he can get one more look at her. Well, and then Carrie cries. There is a, another world in which this show is called, like, Big in the City. And we follow <laughs> him, and then he goes out with Mr. Marvelous later and is, like, drinking scotch and is like, well, she's the one that got away with that damn new Yankee. He misses her. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see that show. Rather talk about yeah. that. <laughs> but Carrie's thrown for a loop. No. Regardless of what Big's intentions or what, you know, story I'm creating over here for my fan fiction. <laughs> okay. Carrie is thrown for a loop and starts crying. Have you ever cried while someone kissed you? Never. It's not pleasant. No. She literally, and I quote, I cried in your mouth. <laughs> and she basically pursues, says she can't be with Joe anymore and tells him to go. I just, I can't, uh... I'm just not, I'm not ready, you know. That guy in the bar, that, that, that suit guy, I better go, sorry. You want me to give you a ride home? No, Joe, please, just don't pay any more attention to me, all right? Just go, please, just go to that bar thing, and I'm, I'm just going to get a cab, all right? Just please, will you just go? I did want to think about one thing, kind of play it out. This is before cell phones. He says, my friends are at a bar on Bleecker. I did keep thinking, like, how do you know? Like, how, yes, you could, they could have told you that earlier. But you could go. They couldn't be there. Like, life must have been so fucking chaotic before text messaging. God. Like, I, I mean, remember, like, the, her friends, they don't show up to her birthday. 
Oh, yes, and the and only way they can know. reach her. Which I was like, stop calling her at home. She's not there. Like, oh, they're all calling, true. leaving her voicemails. Like, we're going to be late to meet you. But it's like, okay, if you know you're late, then she is most likely at the restaurant. Not Yeah, but maybe, like, at that time, couldn't you use a payphone and call into your voicemail? <laughs> it all seems was so difficult. Did you happen? always have to have change on you? Yeah. Oof. And touching those phones with no wipes. I mean... Sick. Even with cell phones, they've gotten quite trouble on this show. Never forget, you know, Lily hiding that damn phone. And I hope now oh, that Lily's older Carrie calls her on that. And it's like, mm-hmm. I do want to point out, little bitch, you ruined my yeah. first wedding. I had a bird on my head, and you fucking threw my and phone in And you had to your put your, my phone in your fucking ugly cupcake purse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so she cries into the new Yankee's mouth. He is really like, whoa. He's sweet about it. I will also say one of the reasons I thought we might see him again is he is very kind to her. Very. She has to say, I am leaving Mm -hmm. because he refuses to just leave her on the street. He's a good guy, Joe the New Yankee. He is. I hope we see him again in the revival. Again, more than fucking Bitsy. But she calls someone on a payphone, and it's supposed to be this mystery, and I don't know if it's because I knew who it was that I'm like, this mystery does not work at all. Yeah, like when I was watching it, I was like, okay, I know who she's calling. Yeah, and it's also like, right, and I hate, I only think mysteries like that work if the language is specific enough to both people, whereas the language here is very opaque. Let's meet at our place. No one talks like that. Let's meet at our place, which I did make a note. I was like, I think this is the very first time we're getting that specific the right diner. diner slash restaurant that we're always in. Yes. And we find that it's Miranda. Carrie, she does look fucking crazy when she's looking around this diner that seemingly has like 15 tables. She does a full tour. <laughs> she walks around the back. She goes. I to thought like she was going to like stop, start sitting at tables with people like, have you seen Miranda? Have you seen this crazed woman with bright orange hair? But they sit, they have, they share cold fries, which is a nice little symbol. And she shares about big Miranda shares about seeing Eric on the street. Again, Miranda can only have empathy for someone once she experiences something, and that's not great. She should really work on that. But it circles back to the importance of friendship. And finally, the most important breakup rule. No matter who broke your heart or how long it takes to heal, you'll never get through it without your friends. However, again, I want to say, I hate that the show is so invested I don't hate it because I think it's nice, but I don't like that the show is so invested in Carrie Miranda because at this point she does, we do see she has two other best friends. Call one of them. She can't. Her and Miranda have a very special relationship. I know, but Miranda is not nice. Right, but she... I I appreciate that later we will see her turn to Samantha during the big cheating arc and that's one of my favorite scenes with the two of them or how Samantha Mm -hmm. tells Carrie about her cancer first. Can't yeah. really come up with a lot of Charlotte scenes in Carrie other than her terrorizing her. Right. Yeah. There's but I think that's like... probably because honestly, in my head of heads, I'm like, Charlotte keeps Carrie at a distance. She's like... Yeah, Charlotte's like, girl, I love good. you, but don't come to my house. Yeah. We're... Please leave me alone. You're not one of my indoor friends. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it's a nice... The ending of the episode really talks about the importance of friendship in getting through anything which i thought was a nice callback to the season one episode three where they end with them going to the movies after um dealing with patients it was nice 
It was a nice little ending, a nice little tie-up for the premiere of season two. Yeah, but one thing I do want to talk about really briefly is, and everyone should read this, it's a great article that was written by Emily Nussbaum, who's a TV reviewer. I believe you can find it online, but it's also in her great book, I Like to Watch. It's called Difficult Women, and it's all about sex in the city. And it wasn't apropos really to talk about in season one yet, but it is, I think, kind of the defining thing of Carrie moving forward. And just two quotes. A man practically woven out of red flags, Big wasn't there to rescue Carrie. Instead, his great love was a slow poisoning. She spun out, becoming anxious, obsessive, and despite her charm, wildly self-centered. And then, unsettlingly, as the show progressed, Carrie began to glide toward caution, away from freedom, growing more fearful, not less. And I just really think that what those two quotes capture is, Carrie moving forward is a less free person. She's heavier. Even as the show itself becomes a little bit lighter, her relationship with Big is really going to continue to weigh on her for the rest of this series. Mm -hmm. And there's a lack of freedom in that, that I think we start seeing in this episode and then we'll carry through really until the finale of this show. And then, frankly, the first movie. She doesn't seem that encumbered by him in the second one. Not at all. But I just, I, I do really suggest reading that essay and thinking about Carrie through the lens of, um, that great love isn't always a positive thing, it's if not true. checked and controlled. It's very true. So, that's season two, the premiere. I couldn't find many reviews of season two, but they were nicer, I will say. They were um, a little kinder. No, an, not a lot of, uh conversations about anyone's face okay good 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 but the new york times did note when carrie spots mr big in a bar it doesn't matter that she's on a glamorous date with a yankee her face registers both her pain and her attempts to hide it with miss parker bringing deafness and sympathy to a role that doesn't conspicuously lead itself to these qualities so that's not you know great (laughs) shout out to the writing staff Under their cynical facades, these women are endless optimists about ideal relationships, even as they settle for fleeting and perfect ones. That hopefulness may be the series' secret weapon. I was surprised to read more than reviews I could find. There were a host of articles about, even after the first season of the show, um, how popular it was, and frankly how popular it was outside of New York. Um, And someone said, The reason that the show works for me is that it looks like it came from an intelligent planet. It doesn't look like Hollywood. It looks like Barney's. I love that. So there's already this consist this idea that the show is elevating kind of discourse and that people feel like it's smarter than other stories. Well, A, it's a story about women and that it's smarter than maybe others that they've seen. So I was glad to see, you know, they got a little better in season two. Love that. Rather than her face thrusts forward. <laughs> yes, that was tough. That was aggressive. So, what'd you think of the fashion this episode? Obviously, it's very memorable. Uh, As much as I hated it, I really loved all the looks Miranda was giving. It was giving chaos, it was giving comfort, it was giving color. I'm not even sure those clothes were comfortable. Really? No. (laughs) I don't think that sweater under a fucking dungaree. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even talk about what she was wearing. It was so upsetting to the eye. And again, that cap, that limp cap she threw on her head in that diner. They did a lot of hat work in seasons one and two on Miranda. But I really also really actually loved the little black dress Charlotte was wearing when she gives uh, that man undies. 
I thought it was beautiful, and I liked her little bun. And I and you know we know Dolce's trash, but I did think Carrie looked really good in the green Dolce dress. She looks great. Uh, slinky Dolce dress, and it's the first um, note of the Carrie necklace. Oh. She says I'm gra- she wants she goes to grab her favorite necklace. And if it was in season one, I didn't notice it, but it's certainly I think the first time we have heard her call it out. Yeah, I don't remember her wearing it. But I will say that I do remember, like, I mean, I watched Sex and the City pretty thoroughly throughout its original run. And I do remember, like, when that became a plot point in the finale, I was like, she seems to be ascribing a lot of, like, emotion to this necklace that I don't know, care about. Yeah, it's, it was, (laughs) it was a storyline. It did. Did you ever have one? Did you have a Sam nameplate necklace? (laughs) No, I didn't. Did you have a Chris? Um, no, but I would probably get one now. Yeah, they're in again. Yeah. You know, I regularly just look up like men with necklaces and see if I should get into that. But I don't think I have that look. Oh, okay. I could see you in like a little chain. We'll see. One day. <laughs> and as far as the men, obviously I choose Joe the Yankee forever and ever. Well, I want to choose Big. I know he has later opportunities to <laughs> win yes. this season. I'm actually going to choose um, the man who was credited as large baseball player. <gasps> oh. <laughs> You loved him. I, I thought he was a great actor. <laughs> great. Well, did you have any hot takes on this one? Um, not that we haven't discussed yet. I feel like we've been really thorough. Yeah, same. I mean, the only one... Look, I think I gave the hottest take when I defended Big. Came in hot. Yeah. <laughs> and again, I do want to say he's my favorite character on this show. That's my hottest so, take. So, oh, Okay. So what would you give this one out of 10? A six. I'm going to give it a four. Oh, you're a tough critic. It was a lot less interesting than I originally, than I remembered. Like, I was like, we're getting a season two and it's going to be good from Jump. And then I was like, oh, this is as weird as like some of the things in season one. I don't know. I really... And we're still talking to the camera, which I know goes on for a bit, so... Yeah, we get those little cameos from people. Which I hope everyone understands why we basically just stopped talking about them. Oh, I really personally identified with the hot dog lady. Change your number, change Change. your house. Change your job, meta garbage. (laughs) I was like, that's me, girl. Yeah, same girl. I love a hot dog. I am one of those people where I... Once or twice a year. I just had one last weekend. Yeah. It was delicious, a Coney dog. I also love a hot dog. I'm going to give this episode definitely a 4 out of 10. So okay. 4 out of 10 for me, 6 out of 10 from you. Yeah. Hopefully one day we like this show. <laughs> we will, we will. But I just want to thank you all so much for listening. We hope you'll join us again next week for our recap of the season two, episode two, The Awful Truth. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review shortcomings wherever you listen to podcasts and check out the other podcasts from The Dip, TV Watch Repeat, Pop Chaser, Slut Pig Podcast, But Now We Said It, and of course, Hot Off The Mess. And follow us online. I'm at clewis1219 on Instagram. Sam, where are you? I'm obviously at Bravo Historian on Instagram. Uh, take yours all off on Twitter. So you can find us there. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This week on RVER, sponsored by Progressive Insurance. Oh, that new doctor is dropped at gorgeous. Oh, please, he's just another RV League educated surgeon with good hair. No, he's different. Nurses, we got a classy motorhome with a detached driver's side mirror. Meet me in the OR. Stat. Right away, doctor. No, 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 she's on break. I'll handle this one. Oh, you conniving little... When your RV really needs saving, Progressive has you covered. See if you could save with a leader in RV insurance. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage subject to policy terms.